Despite our own shocking lack of maturity, we do discuss mature subject matter, including coarse language and violence fairly often. Listener discretion is advised. We have no qualifications. We are not professionals. Strap in, it's gonna get weird. Welcome to Weird Shit Weekly, where we talk about weird shit weekly. I'm Alexis. And I'm Sam. And this is a podcast where we agree on a different prompt each week, go off and do our research, and come back and tell each other about our findings. This week's prompt is, you are what you eat. Ooh, you are what you eat. This is one that I find Well, it's, I mean, there's so many interesting roads that you can go down with this prompt. And this week, I know that we did. I know that we've got some pretty interesting content for you guys. So um, without further ado, I guess I shall kick it off. Be my guest. So this week, you are what you eat. Um, There are so many different paths that I was thinking, contemplating going down. Um, But I did find one story that I found incredibly interesting. Uh, It's a story that's like fairly common for the, for its era as well. It's a pretty common occurrence, which is pretty sad. But um, the fact that this happened resonated with me because I think it'll resonate with anyone and you'll find it outrageous and maybe a little funny and pretty ridiculous if you have ever had indigestion. Oh, very common. I think most people have had it, if not everyone. I mean, I mean, hey, you, for me, like if I eat maybe a little bit too much spicy food, indigestion. I mean, it happens. So we're going to be covering today the death of King Adolf Frederick. Oh, Jesus. Indigestion equals death. Yep. So cause of death, indigestion. So I found that... I think that's how I'm going to die. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense. But like all of the, all of the, all, all of my dietary restrictions, all of the shit that my little weak body cannot process. Will, <laughs> Your little weak You know, body. I mean, it'll probably be the death of me. But this, I found this, uh, this story. And for the record, there are, I'm sure you guys can imagine, there are so many uh, older tales Um from the Middle Ages, uh, you know, 16th century, 17th century, 18th century, that whole period of um, royalty, aristocracy, kings, you know, people high up in the food chain, gorging themselves, often either to a sickness or to death. I found a few stories that did include gorging themselves to death. And I thought, wow, you know, I mean, this is clearly something that wasn't extremely rare back in that time, uh, especially with that. I remember, I remember I, I was always so interested, fascinated in learning about um, that kind of culture of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance when I was younger. And what always used to like freak me out was the fact that at huge feasts or banquets or parties, people would stuff themselves so much they'd throw up and then they would continue eating. Like, ah. It's like goiters and gout used to be a huge fucking problem for the rich yeah in the middle ages and that's literally just because of their diet because they basically just ate meat and bread yeah yeah exactly we love absolutely 
no vegetables, no fruits, those essential nutrients you need, oh, you know that they've got scurvy. You know. Can you imagine, like, not to put this out there into the world, but how horrible their poops must have been? Oh. Oh. That's something that I just, I don't even, I, I don't even think I can imagine right now. Because, like, there's no, there's no real fiber in that. Especially because they were basically eating, like, white bread if they were rich. Yeah. So, white bread and, like, turkey. Every day. Every single day. That's it. And beer. Ugh. You know, uh... Cursed. As someone, or for both of us, as two people who have lots of stomach issues, very sensitive stomachs, that's something that I just don't even want to think about right now, because that's pretty- Dude, I ate a steak over the weekend and thought that I was gonna die. I was gonna meet my maker. Oh, I feel that. And, um, I'm glad you didn't die of indigestion, though. (laughs) Me too. Me too. But tell me about this man who apparently did. I will. So, interesting case with, uh, King Adolf Frederick. So- King Adolf was a Swedish king, uh, and he reigned from 1751 uh, until his death on February 12th, 1771. So he reigned for almost a full 20 years, um, and he died at the age of 60. So he's actually coined as, and I quote, the king who ate himself to death. Um, Oh, Jesus. Fun. So... Anyway, a tiny little backstory about him and um, the age of his reign, I guess. Um, So King Adolf Frederick's reign was part of the Age of Liberty in Sweden. And during this time, civil rights of the Swedish peoples improved uh, pretty vastly. uh, And the country is actually said to have witnessed an extended period of peace. So good on the king. Um, Great. Yeah, you know, we do love peace. (laughs) Uh, In the year 1766, his ruling also oversaw the Swedish parliament pass the world's very first official legislation supporting freedom of press and freedom of information. Pretty cool as well. Um, So something that I thought was actually interesting kind of contradicts what I just said. But as the Swedish king, so being the king of a prominent nation, even back in the 18th century... Um, Adolf Frederick was not actually very active in political matters. Um, he, he made some great decisions. He, at some, at other points, was just not active in politics. He was very pick and choosy. Was he more of like, did they have like a parliament that ran mm-hmm. most of the day-to-day affairs? And then, because by the 1700s, the monarchies were kind of slowly dissolving yeah yeah he was he was kind of a um what's the word he figurehead figurehead that's definitely yeah that's the word he made he made some prominent decisions including the um all of what happened during his age of liberty um but then most times he was a figurehead so he's an interesting character um he was known to be much more devoted to other pursuits one of them i thought was funny uh one of them was collecting snuff boxes uh which was apparently a prominent hobby of his and these are just like these are decorative boxes he just had a big prominent hobby um but like snuff boxes like 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 they contain drugs 
No. I was looking it up because I was wondering, I was like, does that mean, does that mean what I think it means back in his time? And I was, I was trying to find information regarding that kind of collector's item in that era. And for him, they were just like very ornate, like adorned collective boxes. Often he wouldn't put anything in them. And I was like, oh. Honestly, I could fault him, except I was helping my dad a couple years ago pick out a box of chocolates to give my mom for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And um, I pointed to a smaller box of chocolates that came in a tin and not like with a lid and everything and not just like a decorative cardboard box that gets thrown out. And I was like, we should go for the one with the tin. He was like, but it's smaller. There's less chocolate in it. And I was like, she will love the tin. You should get that one. And literally, she opened it, and the first words out of her mouth was, I love the tin! And you're like, what did I tell you, Dad? She loves the tin, okay? So, you you know what? It's not that weird, okay? It's not that weird. Okay, you know, fair. Very fair. I do, I mean, anything ornate and beautifully patterned, beautifully painted, I'm a sucker for that. So, you know, I I, I will give King Adolf a break. So... (laughs) In fairness, I'm pretty sure my mom used that tin to, like, store all her 3ds games but hey oh good idea i stand that i must say (laughs) anyway so um jumping back into it um even though he was somewhat active i guess in politics and did have that known hobby his reign is likely best remembered for the way it ended which is of course with him eating himself to death So, and that's like, that's just very, it's very literal too. That's not even just like a saying, it's very literal. So (laughs) the day of his death was, I think this is pronounced Fetisdagen or Fetisdagen, um, which is the Swedish word meaning Fat Tuesday. So, which was the, it was the Swedish, it wasn't Fat Tuesday, but it was like the Swedish cultural equivalent of Shrove Tuesday. I see. Yeah. So So you eat all the, you eat all the shit that's in your cupboard. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, on this day, which was February 12th, 1771, uh, Adolf Frederick decided to observe the holiday in a traditional manner by eating, you know, what they would traditionally do, a large quantity of rich, fatty, luxurious foods in preparation for the season of Lent. So that's what he was doing. So during Lent, many Christians, you know, will restrict themselves from certain indulgences, whatever they may be, uh, refraining from eating certain types of food, you know, meat, fish, dairy, breads, whatever. Uh, so in preparation of this, I'm, as I'm sure you guys know, people would often gorge themselves with the foods or whatever that they plan to be limiting themselves or, um, withholding from themselves during the season. I found that it was lethally clear, you could say, that the king grossly overcompensated in this, I guess you could call it like his last supper of sorts, because it was. Um, anyway, so this is what the meal included. So let, uh, like we said, like, Jess, please, we need vegetables here. So the meal, his dinner on February 12th, um, included lobster, caviar, kippers, smoked herring, boiled meats, also, the word boiled meats just, I, I don't like it. I must say, I do not <laughs> it like it. It doesn't, it doesn't give you warm fuzzies, Sam? It does not. I must say, it sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> Bo- boiling meats, I just, I just don't think that you should boil them. That's what I'm saying. Maybe, like, if they're cooked a different way, but if someone just gave me a soggy piece of fully cooked boiled meat, I don't think that I would be happy. <laughs> I, like, I just, mm. anyway, there's more to this meal. 
So at the very end of that lobster caviar, kippers, smoked herring, boiled meats, after all that, he's like, oh, well, throw in maybe a little bit of nutrition and had some sauerkraut and apparently ate a few turnips. So I thought, okay, interesting. Um, This reads like a night out at like an all-you-can-eat restaurant. Yeah, yeah, this is the vibe I'm getting. Um, But wait till you hear about dessert. So that was a ridiculous meal, but the dessert um, makes me feel gross, especially as someone who is lactose intolerant. So (laughs) (laughs) the king... Had did have an unusually large appetite and was said to have known to be an overeater, was always overeating, and um, he had a lot of stomach problems, uh, suffered with stomach pains very often. Um, so after all this, after that huge colossal meal, he washed the entire meal down with apparently lots of champagne, so more shit for the stomach, and then he decided it was time for dessert. So at, obviously not trying to pass any judgment here because I love to eat. I love dessert. But I mean, if you, I think you got to be wise. If you've got stomach issues, you know, you have a sensitive stomach, you have a history of, you know, having a sensitive stomach and having lots of stomach upset. You got to, you got to be careful. Wow, Sam, you are speaking to my soul right now. I know. I know. I am never careful and always sorry for it. Oh, well, I mean, even then, I was going to say, we know more than anyone. Like, I, you know, I mean, not more than anyone, but people who have stomach issues, I mean, you, you know how bad it gets. And that's from thinking about this guy, you know? For the record, when I'm eating an entire large pizza for myself, I am not thinking about the consequences. Oh, uh, you know what? I, I'll say it. I've been known to do that occasionally, but if I do... I can take like maybe like two or three lactates, just pop them down, and then I'm okay. The next day, maybe not, but at least for the time <laughs> being, I'm okay. <laughs> but the thing is... You can power through it, yeah, finish your meal. Exactly. I can power through, finish my meal, be okay for the night, and then the next day, I deal with the consequences, which, you know, we just don't like to think about it. <laughs> um, but this is the thing with the dessert he had. Like, even, even at our most hungry times when you're just feeling the munchies more than any other time. I don't think either of us would ever opt for this much of this particular type of dessert he had because it's just so much dairy. It's scary how much dairy it is. So this, when I read this, my like, my lactose intolerant brain was like, oh, honey, no. (laughs) Like it was just, it's, it's scary. So anyway, um, (laughs) He decided for his dessert, Adolf decided to have semlor. So semlor is the plural term for sem- semla. So I didn't know what these were. I found out that semlor are dessert buns made from white flour um, that are first recorded to have appeared around fifteen for the year 1541, apparently. So right. yeah, so semla are, yeah, they're made of white flour. They are traditionally Swedish cream buns. Uh, they're like a version that has cardamom of like the original Scottish cream bun. So it's like a Swedish Ooh, adaptation. I think I would love these. I just Googled them. Yeah, they sound really good. So they have a marzipan filling and whipped cream. I fucking love marzipan. That sounds so good. And they're finished with a dusting of powdered sugar. And they sound really good. So this isn't even the part that I think that really did him in. So so he, of course he had those for dinner. Um 
And these semlor, uh, they had come to be traditionally eaten by Swedish kings and aristocracy on Shrove Tuesdays, which was the day of his death. So these semlor, these had supposedly become the king's favorite sweet treats, which is why he ended up eating so many of them. So while most Swedes typically eat four to five semlor, but I didn't even know this. They typically will eat only four to five of them in the time between New Year and Lent. Um, oh. Yeah, so that, I don't know why they really space them out. I could eat four to five. I could pop four to five in one sitting. I bet I could. I feel like I definitely could. I feel like I could totally kill a tray of those. Oh, I could kill a tray. I'm so sure I could, but here's the Well, thing. it depends on how big they are. If they're like the size of your hand, uh, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. Who knows what the size of them are? So... Basically, I didn't know that. Apparently, it's a thing that most Swedes would typically only eat four to five of them between that period. The king decided that he wanted to eat 14 of them in one sitting. Oh. So, but this is the part, that's not even the part that shocked me. This is the part that shocked me. Um, These were not just plain traditional semlor. So every single, he, the king requested every single one, all 14, to be served to him in a big bowl of hot milk flavored with cinnamon oh, and raisins. Oh, no. Oh, I don't like it. I know. That's like a cursed cereal. I know. It is a cursed cereal. But when I read it, I was like, okay, hot milk, cinnamon, raisins. Sounds like it would taste good, but 14 big bowls of milk? 14 bowls of milk? And my stomach was it's like, like oh. It's also like soaking into bread. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. I don't want to eat milk-soaked bread. bread. That's gross. That's nasty. With a cream filling? Dude, no. Yeah, I know. I know. When I read that, I was like, ooh. If people like the taste and the texture of that, sure. But the main issue I've got is the 14 bowls of milk. As soon like this you, is, I just can't. Oh. This is me yucking someone else's yum here because that is straight up nasty. I can't. I can't. Like, why? Why? Like, this is this is the true problem with the monarchy, is that nobody could tell him no. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No one was like. 14 bowls of soggy bread milk is not a good idea and you have a sensitive stomach. I'm, you know what? I honestly, maybe if I drank 14 bowls of milk, no lactate, nothing, maybe I would die of indigestion. I mean, who knows? I could, I possibly could. Um, oh God. So anyway, uh, close to the end of our tale now. Um, following the king's consumption of these 14 semlor and bowls of milk and cinnamon and raisins uh he decided the meal was complete and he stopped eating so that very same day so this was this was a dinner so that very same day a little later on he died he died pretty suddenly (laughs) and he died of digestive problems um and yeah he died of these problems that his literal last supper i mean you can call it that because it was it was literal it was his last supper so he died of these issues that his last supper pre-lent meal ended up causing him. how did they know he died of like indigestion it's pretty foggy like apparently they did an autopsy and that was like the only known cause of death but at, at the same time i don't know i not that i know much about medicine in today's world but i don't know how much you could trust like a 1770s autopsy but At the same time, I mean, if he was known to have pretty bad stomach problems and to suffer from stomach issues fairly often, who knows if they were something more severe than they knew at the time? Maybe he had ulcers. Who knew? So this was like a more consistent thing for him. Yeah. He just already had tummy troubles and then 
decided that consuming 14 bowls of bread milk was the way to go. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I'm saying, because if you already know you have... This is the thing, like, I know I have stomach issues, and yeah, sometimes I'll eat far too much, but if you know you have stomach issues, and then you have 14 bowls of, like, bread, cream, and milk, oh, that is what's gonna destroy you. You, like, you must know that. Yeah, his, I just, all I was able to find is that his official cause of death is indigestion. Um, yeah, so. How old was he? He was 60. Oh, yeah, yeah, so. I mean, that's not. Not too young for the era, (laughs) for the the yeah the i mean i don't know uh but like what a way to go i know i know so ironically his huge prepar- preparation for lent prevented him from actually <laughs> going through lent observing lent um yeah it's he never had to experience hardship or deprive himself of life's luxuries yeah yeah exactly you know and i just i just think that's so crazy the official cause of death indigestion it's just 14 bowls i know that was like really the shock with whipped cream and marzipan like i can't i can't it like almost makes my stomach like i don't want to say it but gurgle like (laughs) it just it feels wrong it feels so wrong um i do not i do not find it to be acceptable I do not think that was the right choice. Clearly, that it wasn't because, you know, yeah. he's fucking dead because of it. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I thought that was a pretty interesting tale. Um, just to end it off, there was some kind of pretty shitty consequences to his death other than the really strange and unfortunate way that he died. I found that his, this deathly preparation for Lent that he partook in. Partook? Partook. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Partuk. Also had great political consequences, as it ended up killing not only him, but also the Age of Liberty that he had um, apparently helped to incite. So, yeah, so upon his death, his son Gustav III um, ascended to the Swedish throne. So... I found out that this stinky Gustav decided to put (laughs) (laughs) this little stinky guy decided to put an end to the age of liberty by immediately forming a dictatorship. We don't love that. As you do. Yeah, as you do. When your father dies, he's like, ah, dictatorship. And subsequently, drastically restricted freedom of the press. So, and to add to this destruction, this stupid stinky Gustav started a very costly war with Russia. Why would you do that? Stupid. Um, he started a very costly war with Russia that ended in pretty bad defeat for the Swedes also. So not only did this poor, ridiculous king die of indigestion, his son was like, I'm going to go fuck some shit up just for good measure. Well. So yeah, that is my tale. The tale of King Adolf Frederick, the king who ate himself to death. (sighs) Well, thank you for that truly disgusting tale sam i can't say what i was expecting but it certainly wasn't that yeah you know it's an interesting tale you're welcome i i appreciate your contribution of course you know it was gross but it was interesting at least it was weird and we do talk about weird shit all right well um my tale is a bit more modern um and it came about like basically when we came up with this prompt. I had this, you know, those like v- memories that are so strong, they're almost like violent as they rise to the surface. 
Yeah, so I had one of those of a Forensic Files episode. I think it was season one, episode 11, I believe. It'll be it'll be in the sources uh, down below. But it's about this bizarre tale. And I went back and watched it and had a wonderful time. And, you know, like Forensic Files, for those who haven't watched it, it's like a true crime um, and like weird tales uh, TV show that aired in the 90s like late 80s throughout the 90s and I think they've started it up again but I'm not 100% sure tons and tons of episodes um but it's like oh peak cheese like it's like they've got like the shitty low budget reenactments they've got the really intense narrator making everything dramatic they've got the dramatic music it's great it's great it's great love it grew up watching it we love so our tale uh, occurs between April and August of 1985. We find ourselves in the s- southwestern Minnesota in the adjacent areas of South Dakota and Iowa. In this triangle of, I guess, the Midwest? I don't know. Honestly, my American geography is garbage. So I'm pretty sure that, the, that Minnesota is like the Midwest. But I don't... No, for sure. Feels Midwestern to me. It does. Also seems like the single most boring triangle of areas ever. Yeah, I must say. Uh, you know, no judgment, but it seems all just a little boring. Yeah, well, it's like, it just seems like all of the, like, actual interviews that they had and everything, there were a couple that occurred outside and it was just flat plains as far as the eye could see. And I was like, well... Well, there you go. No, I feel like you might get vertigo just looking at this. Anyway. So, in this... This starts in one town, um, but kind of there's a cluster of small towns and cities where people start experiencing very similar symptoms um, starting in April of 1985. And... Those symptoms are heart fluctuations, weight loss, diarrhea, fatigue, loss of appetite, that kind of thing. And as I'm sure you know, these are all very like generalized symptoms. Um, so a lot of people didn't really realize that, the, that this was becoming common and there were like rumors of an illness going around in these areas. Um, but... When people would go to the doctor and everything, uh, it would usually be dismissed as like, you know, well, you've got indigestion or, you know, there's a heart condition in your family or, mm-hmm. well, maybe you're just tired or my favorite is this lady, Jane Nedestat, uh, her doctor decided that she was having a nervous breakdown <laughs> when she explained her symptoms to him and pushed to have tests done because he tried to dismiss her and he admitted her to the hospital and put her on mood elevators. Love that. Which absolutely did not help the heart fluctuations. She's like talking about this like it was nothing, but she's like, yeah, my heart rate was like over 160. And I was like, you could have died. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh I, I love like the, the 80s-ness. I love the Midwestern 80s-ness of like, well, it's just female hysteria. Quick, 
put her put her in the hospital and give her some uppers. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's fine. That'll fix it. Yep, that'll get her out of our hair. <sighs> so, anyway, um, a couple of people were actually referred to specialists uh, because their doctors weren't psychos. And those specialists uh, then performed x-rays on these patients because they connected the dots with these symptoms and determined them to be um, pretty indicative of, like, a thyroid disorder. Okay. Which is interesting because thyroid disorders aren't contagious. Um, and so many people are experiencing these symptoms. But anyway, so these people uh, went in for x-rays and uh, these thyroid symptoms, or despite these thyroid symptoms, um, the x-rays displayed a normal-sized thyroid in these people. So uh, consistent with the symptoms, what you would be expecting to see is an enlarged thyroid, a hyperactive thyroid. Uh, but that's not what they found. Hmm. So one of the specialists working on the case, Dr. Mike McMillan, discovered that there was a similar outbreak of thyrotoxicosis or hypothyroidism in York County, Nebraska, only a year earlier. Uh, but again, that one was kind of like, it was very quick, um, kind of swept the town, and then um, the outbreak ended before the specialist could find a source, but similar sort of story. So... In, in this York County area a year earlier, residents had also complained of the same symptoms, and so many people had actually gotten sick that it threatened the economy of the small town. Oh. But the cause was never identified. Um, so back to this cluster of towns and counties um, in Minnesota, South Dakota, and Iowa in 1985, uh, people, like... Basically, this was kind of taking the area by storm at this point because people had been talking and enough doctors had become interested in the case um, that it was becoming like a a common talking point around the town. And right. people were not sure if the source was contagious, if it was a virus. And by June of that year, there were 50 cases concentrated in Laverne, Minnesota and Valley Springs, South Dakota. Okay. Uh, so 50 identified cases of people experiencing these symptoms to a severe enough degree to be documented. Right. Okay. So the CDC was called in to investigate, um, and they found that all age groups had appeared to be affected more or less equally, with whole families being down for the count. So, uh... In one case, there was, like, 14 people in a family, all different generations, and every single one of them was experiencing these hypothyroid symptoms. Um, from, like, like one of them was, like, a great-great-grandfather all the way down to, like, a six-year-old. Oh, what? Yeah. So, unstructured interviews were conducted with patients and residents to try to determine a common source that all these people were engaging with. And when asked where they thought the disease was coming from, just, you know, like, where do you think you're catching this? Yeah. The most common response was, and again, this is the most Midwestern 80s thing I've ever heard, that the tornadoes from the year prior had stirred up chemicals that were infecting the ground. Huh. And thus the groundwater that they were drinking. 
you know what, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say I don't think it's that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, like, what a, like, like, what a, what a mind. I'll say it, that's kind of like a cowboy thing to say. Very Midwestern. I, okay, anyway. The education system <laughs> is failing them. Yeah, it's failing them. <laughs> uh, they did test the drinking water, um, and that turned up nothing. So, that theory goes in there the garbage. There you go. <laughs> it was quite the theory, though. Additional testing basically found, because, uh, again, with the x-rays, there was no enlargement of the thyroid gland, um, but uh, they were suspicious, so they did blood tests as well, and uh, found that in every patient tested, there were excessive levels of thyroid hormone in patient's blood, which doesn't make sense uh, because with that you would definitely expect to see a enlarged thyroid and you didn't yeah or they didn't um dr lewis braverman a leading expert in thyroid diseases was asked to examine the outbreak in south dakota and he noted um that he, like he basically had similar findings um, and even commented that four generations of a family that uh, he interviewed were showing symptoms. Uh, as an interesting aside, iodine deficiency was so common in the er in this area that it was referred to as the goiter belt, uh, which is, of course, a disease caused by iodine deficiency. Uh, so much so that the Mayo Clinic even opened up a surgery clinic to assist in treating the disease, which is wild yeah. because this this area is just getting fucking one two punched Wrecked. yeah <laughs> these poor people um luckily iodine deficiency has kind of all but vanished because uh most of our foods contain iodine or are fortified with iodine so that we don't get goiters yeah we love um, that but yeah, this area just didn't have uh, the natural resources, and I guess there was like a dietary culture in the area where like they just weren't getting enough iodine in their diet until the foods became fortified. These people are like this. This disease is impacting generations of families, entire households, so many people across these towns and counties, and all of these people are showing like eight to ten times the normal amount of thyroid hormones in the blood but no enlarged thyroid no endemic thyroid disease it's it doesn't make sense and the fact that it's everywhere is also really strange because again thyroid disorders and diseases are not contagious yeah so that, it doesn't seem to make sense dots don't seem to connect no so the big break in this case happened when a large family displaying symptoms were tested for elevated thyroid function um, with, the, with the blood test, and all of them came up positive, with the exception of one teenage boy, a vegetarian. And I just want to jump in here and say that everybody should go watch the Forensic Files episode, because the reenactment of this is amazing. Because they're like, <laughs> it's like, I don't know who decided that this was going in the show, but it's the best. There's this great moment where it's like the father is sitting at this huge table with all these people around him and he's like serving his kids this tray of spaghetti. And 
the kid, he's like 13, I think, 12 or 13, and he's like, I don't want any of the meat sauce. I don't like meat. And his son, or his his dad is like, you're no son of mine. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Like, like legit. They, this is, I was like, who wrote this? Who took this serious? Like, how did they say this with a straight face? Yeah. How, how, Honestly. how do they think? They're like, well, this is how the scene's going to go. The son doesn't want to eat meat. And the father's like, oh, God, well, you won't eat meat. You're no son of mine. I don't even know you anymore. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what it, what it, what it. Stupidity. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so it turns out that the dad worked for a meat packing plant and he would bring home ground beef for his family. And the only one not displaying symptoms was this kid who was a vegetarian. Okay. So... In addition to that, specialists, it was getting to the point where specialists were noting that despite close proximity, many communities remained unaffected. And right. a woman was diagnosed with thyrotoxicosis, um, and she had purchased extra lean ground beef from her parents' grocery store. Her parents, however, did not have thyrotoxicosis because, uh, and, and they noted that they never got to eat the extra lean ground beef because it sold out so quickly. Okay, okay. All right. So, working on a hunch, uh, they decided to perform rat tests and human tests, which is great because they go through great lengths in the interviews to talk about how they prepared the tainted hamburger for these, like, med students who were doing the human tests. And they're like, and they're like, yeah, we fried it up good with some onions and some condiments. And it was good. Like, they, they liked it. It was good. And I was like, were these people paid or, like... Oh, they better have been fucking paid. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. This is contaminated beef, dude. Like... Oh. You're telling me how you prepared it and made it tasty. Cool. But, like, what happened to the people? Yeah, what happened to the people? Because, like, sure, it could be tasty. That's all fun and good. But then, uh, that's... They're not going to be too happy afterwards i really hope they got greatly compensated but i have a feeling that they might not have been you know i just i really doubt that they were fairly compensated for their time and sacrificing their health for the good of the community but you know what they got to eat some yummy burgers i guess i did so anyway it was confirmed uh that the contaminated beef was the source of the thyrotoxicosis outbreak Okay. So why would beef give you thyrotoxicosis? Well, the thyroid gland sits right underneath the leanest muscle on the body, which was then labeled and sold as extra lean ground beef. Right. Um, and in the end, 121 cases were found with all of them recovering fully. So I guess the... Uh, test subjects also recovered fully. I hope so. Thank God. Um, I hope. <laughs> but basically what happened and why it hadn't been happening before is that the meatpacking plant had used... It used to be like a halal meatpacking plant. Okay. Um, and so with the way the animal was killed, when they drained the blood, they could easily identify the thyroid gland and remove it um, and just kind of cut out the meat around it. Whereas when the packing plant was bought and they were no longer draining the blood of the animal for preparation, uh, suddenly the thyroid gland is still red and it's really easy to nick or miss. 
and because they were using all of that neck meat for extra lean ground beef, it was getting ground up and put in this, like it was being packaged and sold to people as extra lean ground beef um, with a thyroid in it, basically. And those elevated levels of bovine thyroid hormone uh, was causing chronic thyrotoxicosis in the people who were consuming it. Well, so what the fuck, right? Yeah. So something that you wouldn't even think of, like it never even occurred to me that even just eating bovine thyroid could fuck up your thyroid. But here we are. And there it was. Uh, but this did have long-lasting effects, so I couldn't find any details on um, if there was ever any, uh, not trials, but like if there was any repercussions for that specific uh, meatpacking plant. I know that uh, they were all obviously all recalled, right? Um, and I couldn't find anyone specifically responsible for it, and the Forensic Files episode doesn't mention anything about it, so I assume that it, uh, like, nothing came of it in terms of prosecution. However, it did have a lasting effect on uh, the way meat can be sold and packaged in the U.S., at least. Okay. And what that means is that you can't actually, you have to avoid the throat entirely, of a pig or cow, because apparently pigs, same thing. Good. <laughs> so you, so there's no more extra lean ground beef from the neck of the animal that you can buy, uh, at least in the States, because the risk is just too high. Too high, of, of yeah. gland getting nicked. And this isn't an isolated incident. Um, there's even a point where uh, people talk about, uh, like, hamburger thyrotoxicosis um, being a recurrent issue as i mentioned before there was an outbreak the year before this case uh, right. and then this obviously they have actually managed to uh, curb that pretty much completely by changing the regulations however in um, minas in uruguay uh, 2003 to 2004 there was another thyrotoxicosis outbreak of course because they don't have the same regulations as in the u.s right um and they found that there was a sharp increase in the incidence of thyrotoxicosis in a specific neighborhood in Minas in Uruguay with multiple cases within the families. And a study was conducted to identify the source of the outbreak. And it was determined that it was most likely uh, a cause of an outbreak or it was most likely caused um, by the consumption of minced beef and chorizo contaminated with the thyroid gland. Uh. So, Yeah. Gotta watch what you eat because... You have to. Oh, God. Turns out eating thyroid will fuck up your thyroid. It will. You know, who would have thunk? Oh, that's... That's... Yeah. You know, who would have thought? That's so crazy. But I'm so glad that all of the... Um, all of the affected healed fully. Fully recovered. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good that there were, there were no deaths, which uh, is really great. Although I couldn't find a lot of information on... Uh, people with pre-existing conditions. Um, it's kind of offhandedly mentioned in some of the interviews uh, that the risk obviously is far greater. So if you've already got health issues and then you are dealing with um, this new issue, then you can kind of have a compounding effect and that right. could be definitely life-threatening. Um, 
but I couldn't find any information on any consequences of people with uh, extenuating circumstances or pre-existing conditions uh, being impacted any worse long-term. Okay. Um, But scary stuff, and scary stuff especially in the beginning because everybody was getting sick and nobody knew why. Yeah. Uh, And I'm sure that's very topical right now in the world, but... It's close um, to home now. (laughs) But yeah, and, and, you know, we joke about how dumb it is to think that tornadoes could have stirred up chemicals, but... The reality is that's a scary situation for anybody and these people were just kind of seeking for any explanation and who would ever think that it's caused by ground beef thyroid? Well, exactly. Especially because, especially because if you are, you're not going to be worried about any kind of meat or any kind of like protein like that. If you're fully cooking it, you're not going to, you're not going to Exactly. But see, fully cooking it doesn't get rid of the hormone content. And that's really the issue. Exactly. So, that's why they're not thinking of it. Because they're not going to yeah. first think, oh, maybe I got some sort of food poisoning. And they're, they're not going to, that's not what's going to first come to mind if it's everyone suffering from a thyroid issue. Oh, which it wouldn't be contagious. That's crazy. That's my tale. That's my, that's my story. A crazy one indeed. I have to go watch that Forensic Files episode now. It's a great episode. It's a great episode. It's like, I feel like it's episode nine or... 11 or something again i'll put it in the sources yes (laughs) thank you so much everyone for listening thank you very much we appreciate it and i guess we will see you next week with our next prompt which will be all that glitters isn't gold shiny yeah so uh feel free to reach out to us on social media we're on instagram and twitter uh or shoot us an email at weirdshitweekly at gmail.com with your stories about any of the things that we talked about or suggestions for a future prompt all right we will see you next week in the meantime stay weird